if Jesus is here, if Jesus is good, and if Jesus is Lord, friends, I'm going to tell you that changes everything. Changes everything. Like, if he is truly present here with us, not only in this moment, but even in our worst moments, even in our most challenging times and situations, and if he really is good, like, as he said he was, I am the good shepherd, and that he is for us, not against us, And if he truly is Lord, he he has all authority over all things in heaven and on earth. I'm telling you guys, that changes everything. Because if he is here and he is good and he is Lord, then why would I be in fear of things that I encounter in my life? Why, Why would I be overrun with anxious thoughts? Why would I doubt? And why would I ever want to chase after anything or anyone else to help solve the issues that I'm encountering in life? And friends, I'm here to tell you today, and this is what I have come to absolutely believe, that these are the three main attributes of Jesus. And if you want more, you can go back and listen to last week's message or find it on YouTube where we really kind of dive into this concept. But I really believe that the three main attributes of Jesus is that Jesus is here, okay? Jesus is good and Jesus is Lord. I want you to say those with me, okay? Ready? Here we go. Jesus is... Jesus is, Jesus is, that's what this series is about, that if Jesus is those three things, I'm telling you, it changes everything. Last week, we used this little illustration, so I'm going to remind us that we said that those three things are kind of like a three-legged stool, okay? Like Jesus is here, Jesus is good, Jesus is Lord. My sister wants to take this stool home and like write those in English and Espanol on these three legs. Maybe we'll let her do it this week. <clears throat> but the, the, the illustration is probably pretty evident to us. If we lose one of those, the whole thing topples over. Our whole understanding, our whole belief system in Jesus, it really doesn't work. We might, we might say, well, okay, I, I think that he's Lord, okay? But I really don't know if he's good. Guess what happens? Our whole understanding of Jesus becomes one that is incomplete, becomes one that is inaccurate, and is very, very unhelpful, maybe even hurtful to people. We must have a full and complete understanding of who Jesus is. Because, friends, what we think about Jesus and what we believe about Jesus is the most important thing in our entire lives. It changes everything, 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 everything. And today we're going to be beginning this little three-part follow-up to last week's introduction where we're going to be talking about each one of these aspects, here, good, and Lord, in, in, uh, in deeper detail 
to, so we can really meditate on this and understand why this is so important and how we can actually cultivate uh, uh, more of an awareness of these things. How can we really get after these things in our own faith and story? So today we're talking about Jesus is here. That God's presence is always with us. I want to start by reading some selected verses from Psalm 139. But I don't want you to like listen to these as, as if I'm teaching them to you. I just want you to like marinate in these. I want you to like to hear them and allow them to minister to your soul. It might be helpful for you to actually just close your eyes and listen to how King David talked about the presence of the Lord in his life. He said this, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, oh, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Mm. Wow. This beautiful sense and understanding. Like David was described as a man after God's own heart. I, I believe that what David captured was this reality that God is always present with me. Like he was there before I was even born, he was with me. And no matter where I go, right, to heaven, to the grave, right, because one day, right, each one of us will be there, he's with me. That I can't go anywhere outside of his presence. And I love that, that when he just states, I can never get away from your presence. But he wasn't saying that like, ah, he's chasing me because he also understood the goodness of God. That not only is he Lord, not only is he here, present, but he's good. All of these ideas are wrapped up in Psalm 139. And you're like, okay, well, David was described as a man after God's own heart. Maybe they just had this like really unique, special relationship, and this was just a God-David thing. 
Understanding the presence of God. No, no, no. That is not what we see in God's word. In fact, it was Jesus who, who proclaimed this. Do you want what Jesus said? He said this in Matthew 28, 20. He said, be sure of this. I want you to like elbow a neighbor right now because Jesus said, be sure of this. Are you ready? I, I don't see you hitting each other. Be like, wake up. Right, that's what he's saying. When he said, when Jesus says something like, be sure of this, he could have just gone right to the content, but he wanted to make sure we were really paying attention. Be sure of this. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There will never be a time, Jesus is saying, that I won't be with you. Just as I was with King David, who authored so many of the Psalms, he said, just the way I was with him, I'm going to be with you always. Listen, if you were to trace through the entire Bible, what you would find over and over and over again is this reality, that God's mission has always been to be present with us in continual life-giving relationship. Always, it is God's mission from beginning to end. Now listen, we do not have time today like to go trace through every place in scripture that would show this over and over. It's one of the reasons why we're doing our 260 reading, so we're like being consistent and seeing these things. But here's what I want us to do in the next few moments. Why don't we just look at the beginning of Scripture, the middle of Scripture, and the end of Scripture, right? Just let, let's take a, like the Cliff Notes version. You don't know what those are. It's kind of like if you Googled a really short version of the Bible. And, and this is what we see at the beginning, in the middle, and the end of Scripture. At the very beginning, as God creates the very first humans, I love what it says in Genesis chapter it says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. And you just get this picture. I mean, God had created this amazing space for them, right? this garden of Eden. And it was beautiful and it was good. And he'd given them all the resource that they could ever need. And then he gave them each other. And it was this beautiful relationship. But listen, but this is so cool. God was not like on some throne somewhere going, oh, check them out. What are they doing? It's not like they're like in a, I don't know, like a little hamster cage, you know, and God's just like, oh, look at how cute they are running on the wheel, you know. No, it says that he was there with them. Like God was tangibly present in his creation and with his creation. God was right there with them. And then, of course, we know what comes next. Well, they, they broke community with God. They broke trust. <clears throat> they, they disobeyed like the one instruction, like, don't do this. This is going to ruin everything. But through deception, they believed that, oh, man, if we just eat of that one thing that God said not to, they said, we're going to be like God. 
And they were deceived. Broke trust, broke community. And that's what sin always does. Sin, listen, always is gonna destroy your relationships. It's always gonna rip people apart. It rips families apart. Rips friends apart. And literally, it rips communities and even nations apart. Sin always is anti-community. It is always anti-relationship. So, that was the beginning. Then we get to the middle. It's actually a little further than the middle. But then Jesus enters the story. Why? Because God's mission has always been to have that continual life-giving relationship with people that had been destroyed by sin way back. So what does Jesus come to do? To fix that sin issue. But I love this, that Jesus came, and one of the names of Jesus that I appreciate the most in Scripture is Emmanuel. The Messiah who'd been foretold through the Old Testament Emmanuel is coming. The Messiah is coming. His name is Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Right? He came to restore that community and relationship that had been broken. So we read this in John 1.14. John 1 is just this amazing poetic picture of, of Jesus coming and what this meant. And John refers to Jesus as the word. The word. And then John 1.14 captures this idea. So the word, Jesus, became human and made his home, where? Among us. He was Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. But the reality was when Jesus came, sin was still victorious. Still, sin was still just absolutely decimating relationship and community and things were so very broken. So we know that Jesus came to conquer sin. And that's why he went to the cross, to take upon himself, God himself, taking on the sin, not just of you, not just of me, of all people, of all from all time, literally taking our sin upon himself. And why did he do this? To restore community. That we might have this, again, like a perfected relationship with God. Even as Adam and Eve walked, right, with God, face to face, this, this communal encounter, that once again, that that is possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now we know that this side of heaven, we're still dealing with like the complexities of sin and brokenness in our world because not everyone has accepted the reality of what Jesus did on the cross. We still live in a broken world, but one day that is all going to be dealt with because Jesus is coming again. Not as the Messiah, right? But as the risen and conquering Lord where he will conquer all sin, all darkness, all evil. And then we get this picture and we looked at it just a handful of weeks ago at the end of December 
but we get this picture of heaven. And I think one of the most compelling things, and this is where we get to the end of the story in Scripture, where God's mission has always been to be in that continual life-giving relationship with us. And listen to what it says about heaven in Revelation 21, 23. This is right at the very end of the book. And John is getting this revelation. It says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself, in case you missed it, will be with them. This has always been God's intent from the very beginning. Sin messed it all up, but Jesus came to deal with sin so that we could receive of God's blessing of relationship, the very same blessing that King David described, that his hand of blessing is on me, that he's here to guide me, to bless me. Whew. Friends, Jesus is here. That is the consistent message that we get all through scripture and from the mouth of Jesus himself. Be aware of this. I am with you always. However, this side of heaven, this proximity and, and community with God, with, with Jesus, we know is by faith, not by sight. Right? It's like, no, I, I, I believe what God's word tells me. But even God's word says, hey, this is, right now, this is, you're not seeing him face to face like you will one day in heaven. So right now, this journey is one of faith, not by sight. But make no mistake, Jesus is just as present with us now, even though we cannot see him with our physical eyes, as he was when he walked with his disciples on earth. He's here, but I have a question for you. How aware are you of his presence? How aware are you of his presence? I wanna put a little chart up here. I, I made this little chart up. I didn't find it on the, on the Googles. I made this up, and, it, and, it, and it's about, like, how aware are we? It helps us to kind of reflect on, like, where am I in my awareness of the presence of God? And there's four things from left to right, four, four groups I think we could fall into. Those who are actively unaware, okay? Those who are generally unaware, and then it moves kind of like to the positive side. Those who are generally aware of God's presence, and then all the way to the right, those who are actively aware, right? So from the extreme of actively unaware to actively aware. So let's just talk for a moment about each one of these groups and maybe we can find where we fit in here. Those who are actively unaware are those who are running from God. <laughs> like, either they're really, really angry with him or they have a real strong 
misperception. Maybe they've been even told really evil things about God. They want nothing to do with him. And so they are like, they're running. And even when God comes in to embrace and begin to speak to their heart and to draw them near, they're like, la, 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 la. You're like, don't want to hear it. Right? Some of you in this room, you've been there. You are running from God. Oh, here come those Christians. You're like, whoa, I am out of here. I do not want to have anything to do with that conversation. That could be for a variety of reasons. Secondly, there's that group that are generally unaware. I believe that this represents maybe a couple groups of people. One who are very preoccupied. Like with life, they're, they, like they're just so much alive and I'm just, they're distracted. They're distracted from the reality of God and his presence. And so they, they are, are ones who, um, you know, just, I, I just don't have time to really stop and think about this God idea. It's not that they're opposed. It's not that they're aggressively running from God. It's just that they're, they're really generally unaware they're not thinking about him. They're, they're very busy. They're preoccupied with lots of things. Maybe describes when Jesus talks about the four soils, right? The hard soil would be like the ones who are actively unaware. Yeah, no, nothing ain't getting in. But maybe, maybe those generally aware are kind of like those who are dealing with some rocks and weeds in the soil. Or the second part of that is maybe that they've just never really been told about the real Jesus. Maybe they just have like some, you know, they're, they're, they're missing one or two legs on the stool. You know what I'm saying? Like you never came along and talked to your friend about, no, 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 he really is good. And yes, he's really Lord. He really does have all authority. But you know what? But he's also like right here, right now. You know, we could talk to him. But they're generally unaware. Third group I believe describes people like maybe many of us. I, I think a lot of churchy people, right? People who go to church or have gone to church. Maybe you're online right now, like checking this, checking this thing out. And, and there's a general awareness of God's presence, meaning like, okay, like I've heard about God and I, I do believe that I've, I've heard and understand that God is everywhere. And if God is everywhere, he must be here. Does that make sense? But that is a distant reality. I want you to think about that. Even people who like come to church and churchy kind of people like can have the general understanding. They're generally aware. Okay, God's everywhere, so he must be here. But it's not this like present, active reality in their life that makes any kind of a difference. It's like taking that one leg of the stool that Jesus is here, and it's like, it's a little short. And so the whole thing just still topples over and is, doesn't have that stability or strength of understanding all three of these things. Then there are the people on the far end of the spectrum who are actively aware of his presence. I want to be one of those people. These are people who are running after God. They're hungry for him. They're thirsty for him. You know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're the ones who are gonna get filled. 
These are these people who are like, I don't want to miss out, God. And so I am cultivating within my life practices that draw me into that heightened place of awareness that Jesus, you are here. You are here. Friends, I want to be way far, I want to be off the scale, like chasing after God. Like I don't want to miss one moment with you. I do not want to miss out. I want to have this full and complete understanding of who you are. But the truth is, in our lives, we've probably all been in different areas at different seasons. And there may be someone even here today, maybe a friend drug you and you've got to be here today. Like or for some reason you clicked on this YouTube link and here you are with us right now. But you know you've been running from God. You have been doing everything in your power like to stay away, to silence his voice. But he's here for you. Because he's here. And he's good. And he's Lord. So I want to do, do two things as we kind of draw this toward a conclusion in the minutes ahead. I want to ask kind of two questions and provide some things for us to think about. First, how is Jesus present with us now? And then secondly, are there things that we can do that would like cultivate, like help along this act of awareness so that we're not like just those people who are generally unaware of God's presence in our life. So first of all, let's, let's think about this. How is Jesus present right now here with us? Because aren't we told that he's in heaven, the right hand of the Father? If he is in heaven, how is he here? So I believe that scripture, and, and you could add to this list. This is not to limit you, but I wanna, I wanna highlight three things that we know like for like, for reals, like from God's word, that Jesus is active and present with us through three different means. One is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something that you may not have caught, but you'll see it as you're doing your 260 reading, reading through the New Testament with us. You're going to see that a couple of places in Scripture. One of them is, is uh, in Ephesians. Um, another one, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find it, you'll find it. Ephesians 3.17 is one of the places where Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, check this out, being the Spirit of Christ. Ooh. So if the Holy Spirit is with, it, with, with me, guess what? I have the Spirit of Christ with me. Isn't that cool? Like, no, Jesus is with me. If I have the Holy Spirit in my life, guess what? I've got Jesus right here. Jesus is here. And, you know, when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross and tell his closest friends, like, you know, peace out, uh, they were scared because they were like, whoa, we've just been getting used to having God with us. What are we going to do when we have our lives and God is gone? And so Jesus very clearly told them, no, 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 do not worry. In fact, he even says, it's going to be better for you if I go, because I'm going to send the, the Holy Spirit. 
In John chapter 14, listen to what Jesus says here in verses 16 and 17. Because he was talking about this very idea that you're not going to be alone. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Not a cool word for the Holy Spirit, the advocate. You have an advocate. Always advocating for you. Who will never leave you. What? He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So God, when I've given my life over to you and surrendered my life to you, you give me your Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. Jesus is here through his Holy Spirit. That's why in we also read in, in the New Testament a couple places that Jesus is in my heart. You're like, well, you can't tell, say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. We know that's, no, 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 no. He is here. So deeply embedded that the authors of Scripture said that he will dwell in your heart. Friends, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is here. Second thing is through his word. Through his word, we actually can experience the presence of Jesus. His word, Jesus left this legacy of truth and of grace, of power, of understanding of who he is and of his gospel, the good news and how this impacts us. He's left us this legacy of his word. But his word, Jesus' word, is not like my word. It's not like your word. It's not like the word of any other person. Because God's word is alive and active. Like, it, it's got life to it. When Jesus said those words like, be sure of this, I will be with you always, it has the power to bring dead things alive. Okay? It can bring us from despair to hope. It has the power to do that. Why? Because it's alive and it's active. The author of Hebrews reflected on that. Hebrews 4.12 said this about God's word. He says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. No matter how much you get out that little honing knife or that little, that little whetstone, you're like sharpening up your blade. Like you're gonna make it really sharp. Jesse got something for Christmas. He's like, there, he's like, make that knife really, really sharp. You know what? God's word is sharper. Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Whoa! See, gee, we're, reading, we're reading his word and all of a sudden because it's alive and active and it is so sharp that it penetrates every part, what he's saying, of our story. That there is no part of our story that won't undergo some of this, like, Jesus showing up, active and powerful, saying, hey, let's talk about this part of your story. Even those desires, 
Do you lie? I haven't told anybody about that. Why? I wouldn't want to tell anybody about that. And Jesus said, no, let's get after that. Let's get after that. Because as we go to God's word, Jesus is present. Jesus is here. Third thing, how we experience the presence of Jesus, these, these means that he left for us to experience this reality, is his body. Guess who his body is? It's us. Over and over through the New Testament, we read about the church is the body of Christ. That's a heavy concept. Guess who the head of this body is? Jesus. And I love the way that Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, or 12, for uh, Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Because he talks about the amazing diversity within the body. That we're not all the mouth, praise the Lord. We're not all the hands, we're not all the feet, we're not all the eyes, we're not all, you know. But every single one of us plays this unique part. That as the church comes together, like in humility, not saying I'm better than you because I'm this part or I'm that part and I'm not one of you feet, I'm not one of you whatevers. But as we humbly submit to one another and there's this unity that happens, you know what we do? We actually embody Christ. So when you encounter a healthy representation of the church, you know what happens? You're encountering Jesus, the head of the church. We find life, we find freedom, we find restored community. We find that within his body. Some people say, well, you know, and maybe even some of watching online. Like, I can get all the content that I need other places. I can read books, I can listen to podcasts, I can, you know, I can click in and, and listen to a message. Mm, all good, all helpful. But you know what you need? You need the body. Because if you never interact with his body, you are like this dismembered part. You're like this hand like that's been chopped off and you're like in a cupboard somewhere. Come on. Nobody wants none of that. Nobody wants to open the cupboard and see that. So get out of the closet. Get here to church. Become part of the body. Because where we experience the presence, the presence. So, if that's how he gave us these means to experience his presence, what can we do to become more actively aware, right? As we're moving away from just general awareness, but to this active awareness that, no, Jesus is here. Look at how he's showing up. Look at what he's doing. Listen to his voice. What might we do? I think there's a lot of practices, and Scripture talks about a lot of practices that we can develop that help us become more actively aware. None of these things, I'm just going to share some things. None of them are going to be crazy, you know, outside of what you're probably already thinking. And none of these things make him more present. But what each one of these things does is make us more aware of his presence. 
So if we're not doing anything, even before I share this real quickly, this is five things that we can be doing, five practices, cultivating these practices. They don't make Jesus more, more present than he already is. But if we're not doing these things, we're not going to be aware of it. So we're going to be like down that little continuum of, of an awareness to, you know, of understanding of who he is. Go ahead and put the list up, please. Five things that we can do. We can pray. We can worship. We can read his word. We can gather with his people. And we can minister his life to others. Five things. Now, I'm going to talk really, really briefly about, about these things. It's not going to be long. I'm just going to kind of like underscore a couple of things about these. But here's what I want you to do. If you're not regularly, this, what did I just say, regularly doing these things, if these aren't like part of your rhythm of how you are living out your faith, here's what I want you to do. Even as I talk about them, pick two. Right? Science and research has actually said, you don't try to do everything at once. It, 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 like you'll burn yourself right out. Pick two. And then once like you've actually developed in those for a while and like you've gotten new rhythms and new practices, add another. But let's talk about each one of these things for a moment. Number one is prayer. Some of you may have heard that prayer is very simply talking with God. And it is. Let me layer in another idea on there. It is communing with God. Communing. What does that word sound like? Community. It's this way that we are actively participating in community with God by simply opening our mouth or if you're in a place where you cannot like shout it out, just even in the stillness and quietness of your heart, you're crying out to him. You are right there in that moment communing with him. Which means, and in community, I'm not just the only one talking. He's talking back. He's whispering things to my soul. In fact, every Wednesday, right here at 6 p.m. in our sanctuary, we dedicate an hour as a church to pray, just to be in his presence, to commune with him. And pretty often, as I'm here, you may see me pull out my cell phone. You're like, is Pastor Tim texting somebody like right now? Really, Tim, right now during, during maybe sometimes. You won't know. But you know, what I'm, you know what I'm usually doing? I'm opening up my little notes app because God is like whispering something to me because I'm praying for you. And like, oh man, this person, God, God, wants, God wants me to call them. Or, or I'm praying for a whole church. You know, some of like even what I teach has come right out of those prayer times because I believe God will just highlight things to our attention if we'll slow down and do it. If we'll actually cultivate the practice of prayer. Well, do I have to come to church at six o'clock on Wednesday? No, pray where you are. But cultivate that practice and you'll become more aware of his presence. The second thing, worship. Worship we do in many different ways. Not only when we are singing, 
That is one form of worship. So often you'll hear us talk about worshiping in song because we don't want to confuse people that singing is equal to worship. It's one way that we can worship, worshiping in song. But there's many other ways that we see in Scripture that we can respond to God. One is through just silence. I will wait upon the Lord. Remembering, Jesus, you're here. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're Lord. We worship, but I'm telling you again, this does not make him more present. It makes us more aware of his presence as we respond to him in all kinds of forms of worship, including when we sing. Third, reading his word. This is why scripture reading has become part of the DNA of our church family. It's why we are doing 260. It's why we are urging every single week, be in his word. You don't have to do this like hours and hours a day unless you want to. Just read one chapter from the New Testament, Monday through Friday. You're gonna read the whole New Testament in a year, all 260 chapters. But we are actively engaging with what he said. Because we believe that right in the moment that he wants to speak those things to us again. What he said, he wants to speak to us again, right now. And almost every day as I open his word, I don't know about you, but I like, there's something new. There's something I haven't seen. Something that I believe that God is saying, oh, did you notice this? Did you notice what I said? If we're not opening our word, that's one more way that we're losing out on this awareness. No, Jesus, you're right here with me. Your word is alive and powerful. I want to engage with it. And then the last two, gathering with the church. Well, here you are. Good for you. Gold star for this week, (laughs) right? Here you are. But it's It should not be an occasional thing that we're doing. It should be this ongoing way that we're living life. And I love what Jesus said. Do you remember? Whenever two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am right with you. What? Did did you hear that? When two or three of you are gathered together. So he's not, we're not just talking about Sunday mornings being together with the church. We're talking about whenever we get together. When we get together and just have lunch or have coffee or, or maybe a 260 group and like get into that communal space where like we're, we're reflecting on Jesus together, talking about, oh man, isn't Jesus good? Yeah, let me tell you what he did. Or here's where I have a really big need and I need him to show up with his goodness. And we're, we're there. Guess what Jesus says? I'm right there with you. With you. Jesus is here when we gather together. Pretty cool. Last one, when we minister his life to others. Again, because we are the hands, the feet, the mouth, the all these, we, none, none of us reflect the wholeness of Jesus is when we come together and then go and do minister. We are embodying Jesus himself. We are bringing the life 
the grace, the freedom that Jesus brings as we minister his life to others. Whether it's in your home with your beautiful little kids, we're ministering. We're ministering to them, not just playing with them, but we're like ministering life to them. Our friends, our coworkers, people we go to school with, when we start just ministering, not weird, just natural, like the life of Jesus kind of stuff. When we begin doing that, you know what's happening? We, are be- we become way more aware of his presence because all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is like telling us, hey, why don't you do this? Well, why don't you give this? Why don't you open your wallet and share to meet that need in my name? Why don't, why don't you do something? And as we begin to respond, we're like, oh, Jesus, thank you. You are here with me, guiding me, leading me, helping me to bring your life to the world around me. Those are five simple things that we can do to cultivate, okay? What, what are they? list is still up there. Again, if you're not doing anything, pick two. Pray. Worship. Read his word. Gather with his people and minister his life to others. One of the things that I have noticed about that little list, each one of them requires a little bit of time and intentionality. Time and intention, right? We live in such a crazy, busy culture. Our society is just like, you know? Why are we not aware of his presence? Why why aren't we like actively engaged with the truth that Jesus is here? Could it be that like we're just running so hard and so fast? And then when, like, oh, life gives me a little break, what do we do? We pick up our dumb phones. Like, we're staying on this crazy hamster wheel of life, so flooded with other thoughts, ideas, then anxiety replaces that awareness of Jesus, of his presence. We become fearful because of some of what we're seeing, and we're not remembering, oh, wait, Jesus is here. Each one of these five practices require us to slow down. Pay attention. And I believe that even if we begin doing that for a few moments at a time, it will shift our faith. It will shift our understanding of what this life with Jesus is all about how we will become people of faith that really represent all of who Jesus is. Because friends, Jesus is here. Jesus is good. And Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Hey, in, um, in the book of Revelation, there's this one other picture of Jesus and he's standing outside knocking on your door. He's like, I am out here knocking. Will you answer? And he says that those who, who 
opened that door. He said, I will come in and fellowship with you. I think all of us, we we need to hear this. His entire mission has been to be in continual, life-giving relationship with you and me. But we are part of this. We have something to do. We must open the door to him. Some of us, the truth be told, we've been keeping that door shut and locked. I don't know if I can trust him if he comes in. No, you can because he's good. But I don't know if it's really going to make a difference. Oh, it will because he's Lord over all things. Nothing is impossible for him. Invite him in. Open the door. And listen, maybe you've done that long ago. Maybe you did that when you were a kid. But it's been so many years that you know what's happened? Time has gone on. Jesus left the building and you didn't even realize it. But you're realizing it right now in this moment. I don't have Jesus right here with me now. I don't. I need to open the door. Then would you do it? Would you just say yes to him? Like literally invite him in. Jesus, you're knocking. You're you're knocking. You want in to have a relationship with me. I do not want to keep you out any longer. So friends, right now, no better time. Would you fling open the door? Would you say yes to him? And if you're doing that like right now in this moment, I want to like celebrate that with you. So just look up at me, kind of wave your hand until I see you. Yeah, open that door. Yes, open the door. Yeah, yes, yes. Anybody else? Today, yes. Jesus, yeah, little one. Love you, love your heart. Jesus loves you so much. And by you just opening up just like the door of your heart and saying, Jesus, I want you here with me. Man, he's gonna change your whole story forever. God is here. He loves you so much. God, we're grateful for who you are. Mm. And that you seek to be present with us. Not far off, but right here. We love you. Amen. Amen. Man, if we had another hour, we just bring back up the worship team and we just like spend time in his presence. But guess what you get to do? You get to go home and begin to cultivate, cultivate these things to become more aware of his presence. Now, we got some guys this afternoon who are going to go do barbecue and time with Jesus. Guess what you're going to be doing? Becoming more aware of his presence. We got 260 groups that are meeting all week long. Are you in one yet? Guess what we're going to be doing? Just cultivating like, oh, Jesus is here. Doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. This is something we need to be cultivating all the time because he's here and he's good and he's Lord. Go in that reality. You are blessed. Come if you need prayer. Come if you want to say, yes, I want to know more about opening up the the doors of my heart for Jesus. We want to pray for you. We have a gift for you. You are loved. See you next week.